Good morning. It's so good to see all of you here today. Our scripture this morning comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And in the New Living Translation, it looks something like this. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I served with my clear conscience just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted. And by the way, just a little footnote. Paul is in prison in Rome. This is not house arrest. This is actually one of those dark dungeon type places where Paul finds himself. And so he said, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And this is why I remind you to fan into flames that spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. This morning I want to talk about the Word of God for all people. And you respond. Thanks be unto God. Well, today I want to talk about, go to the next slide, I think. Yeah, connected. I want to talk about the butterfly effect. Does anyone here know anything about the chaos theory? Young Coach Jones, you better know something about it. That's a, that's a mathematician kind of, kind of theory. You haven't heard of chaos theory? Young Coach Jones. No, okay. Well, it's not what we mean to describe what happens in Washington, D.C. and Montgomery on a daily basis, though it probably would fit, okay? That's not what I mean by chaos theory. Chaos theory is the science of surprises, the unpredictable. Chaos theory teaches us to expect the unexpected. Now, chaos theory maintains that at just the right moment, even the smallest change can create significant results. Now, I'm no expert on chaos theory, so I'm just kind of going by what Wikipedia and Google has taught me about chaos theory, okay? Small changes can create a very chaotic system and situation. Now, Edward Norton Lawrence was, a, was an American mathematician, a meteorologist, and a pioneer of the, class the, of the chaos theory. And out of that, in a way to explain chaos, the chaos theory, he created something, a, a theory that he called the butterfly effect. That, and this is kind of an oversimplification, but, but follow me. That a butterfly in Africa can flutter its wings at just the right moment. And the product of that moving of the wind by the butterfly wings creates the hurricane. Sounds insane, doesn't it? But there are, as I understand it, scientists who seriously believe in the butterfly effect. Now, let's bring the chaos theory, and in particular, the butterfly effect, into the realm of, of, of human relationships. 
of society and culture. The butterfly effect is that small things can have large effects and results in people's lives. The small causes can have large effects. And to bring this on, let me ask you a question. What are you doing to change the lives of the people around you? Think about that. What are you doing? What memories are you creating? What acts are you carrying out every day of your life that will change both the heart and the future of another person? Each and every one of you can be an instrument of God's plans without exception. And if you can remember only one thing from today's message, this is it. Your life has the potential to change another life and the culture around you. Yes, you can be a mover and a shaker in our community, in our culture, in the lives of the people you interact with every day of your life. You can become the butterfly effect to another person who desperately needs it. God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is designed to not only impact your relationship with God, but to impact another person. God is looking for people who will spend more than an hour or two on Sunday in a building somewhere, but who are willing to take their ordinary everyday life and use it, trusting that God, through the wind of the Holy Spirit, can create something that is going to forever change another person's life. Now think about Timothy's grandmother and mother. Do you think that when they received the faith, that they ever thought that their son Timothy would be the, the, the right-hand man of Paul, that he would bring about a radical shift in the culture of the Roman Empire? We don't know a lot about them other than their great faith. But there are so many people who felt the impact of Eunice and Lois and Timothy. In fact, we are products of their great faith. It takes three, let's call them immovable commitments by you in order for you to have that same kind of impact that Eunice and Lois had. Number one, be hungry for God's grace. Live your daily life knowing that it is by God's grace. Know that God's grace is what overcomes the power of sin in our life. Know that grace is what enables us to be the true people of God, the body of Christ. That grace is what enables us to overcome the power of sin. That grace, that you model that grace when you fail and when you fall so that others can know that when they stumble and when they fall, they have a place to land. And that place is God's grace. Know that grace is what you need when life gets difficult. Know that when the questions of, of life arise, grace is where we find the answers. Whether we find the answers in the here and now to our life questions or whether we live confidently in God's grace, knowing that one day those questions we have will be answered. 
We equally need God's grace. And if we're going to see lives change and our culture transformed, we need to begin that, that change in people's lives, that change in our culture by acknowledging and realizing that we have a deep, profound need for grace. Grace does its best work in one person when they see it in another person. And when they see our lives transformed by God's grace, it becomes real for them that their life can be changed. Number two, here's the second key commitment. You've got to live with a bigger purpose. Live with the sense and expectation that you are part of something that is much bigger than anything you could imagine. You've ever heard the expression, what would Jesus do? Who, who, who has heard of that, 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 that phrase, that question? Does anybody here know the story behind the question? Anybody? Anybody know how we got that phrase? Well, back in the 19th century, in the late 1800s, a pastor by the name of Charles Sheldon did a series of sermons in which he, he, he kind of modeled them after Jesus and he told parables about people who were facing a, a crisis moment. And then when they were faced with those two choices, Sheldon would say, what would Jesus do? And invite them to come back that night to find out what Jesus would do. Leave with a, we call it a cliffhanger. Come back and see part two. And so later on, a youth worker wanted to really inspire her kids to, 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 to live bigger. And so she pull that phrase back out and we have all kinds of jewelry and things and necklaces and signs and, and bumper stickers and decals. What would Jesus do? And what Jesus did his whole life was he loved God and honored the Father with his whole life. With his words, his thoughts, his acts. And that's our bigger purpose. To let our, our thoughts and our words and our actions be an expression of our love for God and to give it a moment, to, to take the moment and seize it in a way that others can see that God in us too. Expand your capacity to enjoy God's presence. And reveal his glory. For that is our ultimate purpose in life. That in our ordinary everyday life. We enjoy God. And we make his presence known. Wherever we find our heart. And our lives. Don't ask what Jesus would do. Do what Jesus is doing. And your life becomes a much bigger purpose. And the third thing is get involved with God's mission. See yourself as part of a, of a, of a not only of a bigger story, but, but call it an ongoing narrative. And the narrative that God is, is trying to, to break into the world with is the narrative of love, redemption, and restoration. Too many are living their lives out in a story that is way, way too 
small. Now there's a word being, I've noticed being frequently used by our conference leadership of the North Alabama Conference. It's called a wig. No, 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 not the hair. Okay, not that kind of wig. A wig is a wildly important goal. W-I-G. Wildly important goal. In fact, it is such an important goal that we have to take the barriers or the, 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 the blinders off of our imagination. And you can also think of it in this way, as a wildly imaginative goal. That our vision sometimes is too short-sighted. We muzzle our imagination. And it's time to set our hearts and minds free by stepping into the story that God wants to tell. And that's the mission. And the mission is to redeem and restore a fallen humanity. Stop selling yourself short. Okay? We make a difference in our community and culture by His grace, our need for His grace, through our purpose and through our mission. And your life has the potential to change another life and the culture around you. Remember the butterfly effect. Butterfly moves very little wind, doesn't it? But if it does it at just the right moment, it interacts with its environment and begins to grow in strength. And it changes the landscape. Now, I know a hurricane is a bad thing. We've seen some bad ones this year. But think about if it was something good. Andy Andrews, author and great speaker, wrote this. You can't see it on there. I've tried to find a bigger one, but I couldn't. But let me read it to you. Every single thing you do matters. You have been created as one of a kind. You have been created in order to make a difference. You have the power within you to change the world. Now, if you don't know Andy's story, Andy is from Gulf Shores, Alabama. And as a teenager, he was living under the pier at Gulf Shores, homeless, eking out a living, cleaning fish, washing boats, until a stranger who was pretty strange in and of himself took Andy under his wings and began to teach him a far more important lesson. That though he was homeless, sometimes hungry, cleaning fish and washing barnacles off the boats, that God loved Andy. And that God had a purpose for Andy. All Andy had to do was to believe it. And he did, and he impacted his life. I encourage you to kind of go sometime and, and Google Andy Andrews. He's written a lot of great books. Got a lot of great videos. Some of them are funny, but all of them are teach us a lesson about life. 
Can one life really make a difference? Well, this morning we come to the sacred moment of Holy Communion and we are reminded that one life does make a difference. You may say, well, I'm not Jesus Christ, but look at the, think about that night in which he was betrayed. In the upper room with those 12 guys. In the midst of those 12 was the betrayer, Judas. There was Peter, who later on that night would deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. There was John and all the others who ran when Jesus was arrested. But it was to that group that Jesus spoke these words in the night that he was to be betrayed. He took bread and he lifted it up and he gave thanks. Let us pray. Father God, blessed art thou, the giver of all good and perfect gifts. Thank you now for giving us the living bread of Jesus Christ himself. Bless this bread, O Lord, that we who receive it may know that we have received the living bread of Jesus himself. Bless it to us, for we are a needy people in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he broke that bread and he passed it among the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body that is broken for you. And every time you, you break this bread, Jesus said, Remember me. And he took the third cup of the Passover meal, appropriately called the cup of redemption. And he filled that cup and he lifted it up and he gave thanks. Let's pray. Blessed art thou, O Lord, the one who causes all things to grow, the giver of the fruit of the vine. Bless, O Lord, this cup unto us that we may remember that we, many that we are, are the body of Christ only because of the blood of Christ. Blessed to our deepest needs and help us to humbly accept this grace and walk in it each day of our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And he passed that cup among that same group and he said, Drink this from this, all of you, for it is by blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. We have some guests with us today and we are so excited to have you with us. This is the Lord's table. He prepared the table for us. It's his meal. And he invites all. Not those who are worthy, because the truth is we are not worthy of this meal. I'm not worthy to serve it. But what he asks is that we come. We truly and earnestly, in the, in the ancient language of the church, I still love this. I remember it to this day from when I started. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and our love and charity with your neighbors, and listen to this part, and intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in His holy ways, draw near with faith, and take this sacrament to your comfort. We invite everyone who longs to experience God's grace, to be touched by love and mercy and find hope. Tom and Shelley, Dennis, would you also 